Hi, everyone. Chuck here. Before we get into today's episode, I want to let you know that we recently launched our newly refreshed site over at A Healthier Michigan. You can find the podcast and other health-related content at ahealthiermichigan.org. Now to this episode. Can our food impact our environment? This is A Healthier Michigan podcast, episode 140. Coming up, we discuss ways we can reduce our carbon footprint through our food. Welcome to A Healthier Michigan podcast. It's a podcast that's dedicated to navigating how we can all improve our health and well-being through small healthy habits that we can start implementing right now. I'm your host, Chuck Gatica, and every other week we'll sit down with a certified expert to discuss topics that cover nutrition and fitness and a lot more. And on this episode, we're diving into the impact that our food can have on our environment, not necessarily vice versa. With me today is registered dietitian for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, Shanti Apello. Hello, Shanti. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, good to have you back. This is an interesting topic, and I know it's one that you think about a lot. In recent years, there's been this focus on the impact that various sources from energy to the car that we drive and all kinds of things impact our environment. But even food has been said to have an impact. So if we want to sustainably reduce the effects of our carbon footprint, our impact on the environment. How do we go about this relative to food? So I think the first thing to understand here is that there are so many different steps from our food being grown to it hitting our plate, right? So basically, us as humans do a lot of different things that produce these greenhouse gases, right? Carbon dioxide, methane. And as a result, these gases trap the sun's heat. Now, when we think about food, it is grown, it is then processed, it is transported, it is distributed, it's prepared, it's then consumed, and then, unfortunately, a lot of it's wasted. So, there are so many different steps in food production that then lead to these greenhouse gases. For example, just the production itself is 68% of food emissions, and then the transportation is 5%. So, you can kind of understand how different processes have a different impact. According to the United Nations, a third of all human-caused greenhouse gases are linked to food. So that includes everything, transportation, packaging, I mean, machines that have to be built to run that stuff, right? I mean, it's everything. Yeah, everything is about one-third of all the greenhouse gas emissions that's related to food. So then we think about, well, we eat food every day. And so what can we do on an individual level? And I think some of the things that we have to understand first is how different foods impact the environment. So for example, the biggest piece of our greenhouse gas emissions related to food are going to actually be agriculture and land use. So, you know, for example, beef, meat in general, so red meat, is going to have the biggest greenhouse gas emissions when we compare them to other foods. So for example, we're maybe comparing them to nuts, we're comparing them to chicken, things like that. So first of all, just the fact that cattle has to feed off of things and then digest it, that can produce methane like their byproducts, right? We use fertilizers whenever we are, you know, growing crops for the beef to then feed off of. And that uses nitrous oxide, which can then produce greenhouse gas emissions. And then, you know, there's a lot of other things like when you're burning the crop residues and a lot of things that I think are difficult to kind of wrap our head around. But anyways, when it comes down to it, certain foods do have this greater impact 
And yet we have to, I mean, we have to point out that this isn't an anti-beef or anti-anything. We're, yeah. we're trying to impart some interesting information because if transportation, if some of this other production stuff that's tied to free range, you know, versus free range, where we literally can drive somewhere right now and go get tomatoes, or we can actually walk to a, a farmer's market and get them, we actually have the ability to cut down on some of the stuff that contributes to the process, right? Yeah. And actually food waste. I think that is one of the biggest things that we can do in our own households. It's interesting because of what we, you know, we we understand that there's so much of our food that we buy. We have all these great, you know, ideas like we go to the store, we buy all these foods and then it sits in our fridge and it goes to waste. It's really sad that that happens. But, you know, food waste across the globe, that's 8% of all greenhouse gas emissions. So if we can think about ways to just cut down on waste, that's huge. And I think it can be, it, it's interesting because we don't, may not understand how food waste relates to the equation, but basically whenever we dispose of foods, it goes to the landfills and then it sits there and rots and it produces methane, which is a greenhouse gas. So in that way, it can impact our carbon footprint. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, even this time of the year as we're heading into fall, there's still lots of great harvests that are coming. So this notion of getting involved in something as simple as freezing forward, right? I mean, my brother grows crazy amounts of blueberries and now he's getting a crazy crop of peaches. Well, they're already freezing 10 pound bags of stuff just to kind of think about the next winter, you know, whatever the season is, they want to open it up and make whatever they're going to make. And I think for me personally, that's been a big eye opener for cutting back on waste. When something is in harvest, it's actually in season and I like it, let's get it and let's figure out a way to keep it so that I can open up something and use it in the middle of February. Yeah. And there are a lot of things that we can think of too that are just small. Like for example, when we go to the grocery store, we go to the farmer's market and we buy the ugly produce because a lot of people don't <laughs> yeah. want to eat the ugly produce and then it goes to waste. So like you mean just an little... apple with a scar on it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you can do things like that. And then, you know, meal prepping can be a huge piece of this. So you have a meal plan, you go grocery shop based on that meal plan and you then execute based on that meal plan so that you are using all your ingredients. I think too, like you were saying, just freezing ahead, you are paying attention to what's in your pantry, what's in your fridge. And you're noticing, okay, this is starting to go bad. Either I'm going to use it or I'm going to go ahead and freeze it now. Because in five days, it'll be too late. Or even maybe tomorrow, it'll be too late. So just thinking about things like that. One of my favorite tips for herbs, I love buying herbs. I you know grow a few herbs, but they go bad pretty quickly once you've picked them. So one of the things that I like to do is put them all in a freezer bag. I keep like a gallon-sized freezer bag and I just add the herbs as I go. And even things like carrot peels, I'll put in there. And then I'll create a stock later, like a veggie stock or a veggie broth. And like the end of my Parmesan, for example, goes in there too, like the Parmesan rind. And it's a great way to just, you know, reduce your waste. But when you're taking the herbs you're growing, are you literally just snipping a sprig and you're washing that off and then just freezing it as it is? You're not grinding it down and turning it into powder or doing any of that. You're literally just freezing Right. We're literally just freezing them. And of course, like my intent is always to use them first, but yeah. if for whatever reason they don't get used or even uh, there are parts of it that don't get used. For example, maybe for my basil, I'm only using the leaf. I'm not using the stem so much. Then I'll throw the stem in my freezer bag 
So I think we know this because we've chatted so many times. Eating locally is a big thing for you, right? I mean, if you've got a farmer's market or somebody's growing at a farm stand, that's something that rises to the top of your list? Yeah. So, of course, that, you know, cuts down on that transportation aspect of things. And, of course, it supports our local economy, too. And that's always something really nice to think about. Something, too, when we think about eating sustainably is that, of course, it does influence you know, these greenhouse gas emissions. But something else that's really great about it is when we eat more sustainably, typically that means eating more plant-based and plant-based diets are tied to so many benefits. I know we've done a podcast specifically on plant-based diets and the great benefits they can have for us. So not only is it good for our earth and good for our planet, but it's good for our bodies too. So when you're looking at good examples for us for sustainable foods that we can incorporate in our diets, what would you suggest? What are good places to start? Yeah. So what's interesting is that if we focus more on plant-based proteins, that's kind of the best place to start. So pulses and legumes are going to be great for this. We've seen in research that eating more vegetarian or more plant-based can reduce your individual carbon footprint. So something that I found, it was a statistic by U of M, and they said that if you shift one vegetarian meal per week, it could save the equivalent of driving 1,100 miles. What? Yeah. So that's for a year. So if you just shift that one day a week. So meatless Mondays, I think that's a great example of how something little like that could lead to big results. Another interesting statistic that they shared was that if you eliminate the transport of food for one year, it could save the greenhouse gas equivalent of driving 1,000 miles. So when we think about all these little pieces that add up to big things, that's a good way to think. Now, when it comes to meat, I tend to think of it as something that I consume less regularly. It's a special time food, like it's a celebration food rather than thinking of it as something I eat every day. So, for example, if you're someone who really likes consuming protein that is animal based, you're just kind of used to it. It doesn't feel like a real meal unless there's, you know, chicken or fish or beef on the plate. If you're someone like that, it can be a really good idea to just shift the type of animal protein that you're using. So, for example, the greenhouse gas emissions of beef is seven times greater than that of chicken. So just a simple switch from something that requires less land and doesn't have that methane from, you know, having the natural dietary (laughs) process happen. The expelling of methane, yes. 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 (laughs) So that's something to think about. There's some really great resources out there if you're just curious about you know, comparing certain foods to others and things that you regularly consume in your own household. For example, the Washington Post recently posted a tool. It's called Which Food is Better for the Planet? And then you can input, you know, for example, comparing chicken to salmon and you can look at it from different metrics. So, for example, greenhouse gas emissions or overall environmental impact. You know what I find interesting? A couple of things that have come up that it really is what's old is new again. I mean, for maybe millennia, There have been certain faith traditions that practice fasting from meat, and then it became in more modern times fasting from meat on Friday, right? And so that's an old is new again idea. Here we are in 2023, and you're also talking about this portion of meat not being the centerpiece. I remember just, you know, we're talking a generation ago with my grandmother, when our grandparents grew up, and maybe still to this day, well, I know in many parts of the world, you can't afford a big giant hunk of meat. So the centerpiece is a little piece of meat in the pot, which creates the beef barley soup, 
everybody gets some bread because, you know, back in the day, just like you're saying, it was a once in a while thing. It was because they couldn't afford the side of beef, right? Couldn't afford. Or maybe it was that like, you know, now it's so easy just to go to the store and pick up beef. (laughs) It's just beautifully packaged. It's cut for you. It's done this and that. And like when we think about before it was easy to get to the grocery store, I mean, people had to walk long distances to get to a store. And then, of course, yeah, the cost of it all. You know, and there's something else you said I think is very profound, and that is the notion that sometimes, and I have to admit, I fall into this like all of us, we think that just as an individual, the impact is not going to be that great, right? But when you start talking about one meal a week, one switch to a vegetarian meal or leaning that way, as I I lean toward vegetarian stuff, collectively, those numbers could become staggering as far as our impact, potential impact, anyway. Yeah, and I think a good statistic here that puts that into perspective is if we look at a household's carbon footprint, food on average accounts for 10 to 30% of that. So if we just think about all the actions we take, 10 to 30% of that is food. Yeah. Now barriers, I think uh, people will think like, okay, it might be hard to eat more sustainably because, you know, like sometimes we think of the cost and things like that. If we reframe our mindset around the cost, I think focusing on things like pulses and legumes is a great place to start. Because if we think of it from the perspective of, for example, I want to have a plant-based burger uh, and we might go and buy the, you know, like the alternatives to plant-based or, you know, regular burgers. Those can come with a pretty hefty price tag. So then instead, like reframing our mindset around it, like, okay, I can make black bean burgers and they are much more affordable. One can of black beans is around a dollar, depending on where you buy it. And that can produce quite a bit of protein and fullness for your family. Yeah. And a lot of fiber. And we've talked about this in the past. A lot of the alternative meat products are highly processed. You don't think of them that way, but yeah. yeah. And then there's a lot that goes into the processing. I don't just mean all the stuff they throw in there to make it look like a burger. I mean, it's just that all the steps you're talking about have to be included there. Yeah. I think another thing that we can think of whenever we go to the grocery store is the packaging. So the more packaging, the more plastic, the more, you know, not only waste, but also greenhouse gas emissions. So something that we can do if we're comparing one brand to another is just note, oh, this has more paper or this has more recyclable components than the packaging of this product and make the decision accordingly, of course, factoring in cost and things like that. Another thing you can do is when you go to the grocery store, come prepared with your reusable bags instead of bagging it. So I've noticed that some stores, when I go shopping and I forget my reusable bags, the paper bags aren't as accessible as the plastic bags. So sometimes you just have to ask like, hey, do you have paper bags? And oftentimes they will. And then later you can then recycle the paper bags, which is nice. So just little things like that, just, you know, because I know sometimes at the grocery stores, the, the baggers are so helpful and they're, they're trying to bag it based on like, okay, well, you know, I don't want this to break for you. So they're going to use a lot of plastic bags and then You know, so bringing the bags is the best option. And, you know, using those bags and I mean, sometimes they have fun stuff printed on them. But I I think when you get in that habit and really part of this is just getting in a habit and sometimes it's a brand new habit. But once you do something for a while, we're going to talk about that in an upcoming episode. Once you do that couple, three, four or five times, maybe you just you have to do it for a month to get that muscle memory. But however long it takes, all of a sudden that's just your thing and you don't think about it anymore. 
Yes, yes. In my household, we always have these like three pretty big bags that stack that have like a tough bottom. We love those for grocery shopping, but they stack and they are in the trunk at all times in my car so that I always have access to them if I have a random grocery trip. And like you said, it's the muscle memory. After I unload the groceries, they go straight back in the car. And isn't it funny that the big box discount grocery type stores, I mean, the huge ones, they don't even offer you bags. I mean, if you want to box your own or just take it all. And so what we'll keep is some of those bags you're speaking of, the chill type bags in case it's a refrigerated item because we've got a couple other things to go run for. Uh, but that's really interesting to me because think of the volume of bags they've cut back on. Yeah, definitely. So if someone's just trying to ease into sustainable eating, maybe it's not something that you've thought about before or maybe it just seems like a big task, like you're like, well, I'm not going to just stop eating beef, right? So I think setting small goals is a good idea. Maybe if you tend to eat more or not so plant-based, you make a goal to have at least one plant-based family meal per week. You know, we talked about the impact that can have. You can just watch the packaging like we just talked about. Buy local when you can, especially when we're in this season right? Like when it's either summer or fall, there's so much to take advantage of. So shop local when you can or even grow it yourself if you can. Just, you know, something I like to do that may sound a little silly, but like in the beginning of the summer season, I'll always buy like one thing of green onions. And then, you know, I cut off the greens and then I just replant the base every time. And, you know, you have green onions for the summer. So don't even have to start it yourself. Interesting. Well, I mean, you've got a green thumb. I mean, you grow a lot of stuff. So and you know what you're up to. And I have a small home with not a very big yard and I grow a lot of things in pots. So it's possible, but no, I don't know about green thumb. So this idea of one meal a week, I have to tell you how many times in my life I've eaten a vegetarian meal. And I don't know why, but it comes to my eggplant Parmesan. If you create a meal that's tasty, and I think that's part of the key here. So it's not cardboard, right? Lathered with something else, with veggies. If you create something tasty, how many times in your life have you said, this is the most incredible meal? It's awesome. Why, you know, where have I been with this one, right? I've done that multiple times in my life. So I encourage myself, I try to, maybe we can encourage everybody else, go for the taste buds on these, these things too, because once you hit a home run, your family will be like, we want that one again. Yeah. And then you feel good. You feel kind of good in your heart because you're like, oh, I'm doing something good for my health. I'm doing something good for the planet here. So I think that's great for me personally. I'm trying to explore tofu more. That's a very sustainable food, it being soy-based. So I don't know if you're on the same journey, trying different recipes out there of and different ways to prepare tofu has been a really fun task. I've never put those two words together, exploring tofu, but maybe I'll add that to my vernacular <laughs> now. That's pretty good. So uh, you want to wrap us up here with some great takeaways because there's so much good stuff in just this time. Yeah. So I think if you're new to the journey, like we said, just take small steps, set goals, meal prep if you haven't, just start with reusable bags and you'll realize how much easier it becomes when it becomes that kind of muscle memory. Yeah. Baby step your way in. I think it's a great idea. Well, thanks. Thanks for a lot of wisdom. Thanks, Jack. Shanti Apello joining us again here on a Healthier Michigan podcast. We're glad you're with us. Thanks for joining us. It's a Healthier Michigan podcast brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. If you like the show, you want to know more, you can check us out on our newly refreshed website. Go to a healthiermichigan.org slash podcast. That's where you can find us. Got a cool new look, some new features. You can leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. 
Uh, we're now launched on YouTube, so you can find us there. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can get all the old episodes, all the new episodes, and take them with you as you go on your smartphone, take them on your tablet. Be sure to subscribe to us as well on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or your favorite podcast app. I'm Chuck Gatica. Thanks for being with us. Stay well.